0: All right, well, good morning. Today we're going to finish up our series on stewardship and giving. And so it's no accident that the outlines are green. I know that's the favorite color of many of you. So if you go ahead and get the green outlines out of your bulletin. One of the most misunderstood passages in the Bible is Luke 6.38. It says this. Give, and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. For a long time, I wanted to believe that verse, but it seemed too good to be true. And so I kept asking myself, exactly how does God give back to me? Well, we're going to take a look at six benefits of giving or six benefits of being generous. And we're going to see that when God gives back to us, it is not limited to money. So let's go ahead and we'll get right into the outline. The very first benefit of giving or generosity is that it makes me like God. God's number one goal for you as an individual, is for you to develop Christ-like character. He wants you to become as much like His Son Jesus as possible, and giving helps to move us in that gener- in that direction. John three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." And so the key point is this. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And that is true in every area of life. And so the first benefit of giving, of being generous, is that it helps me to become more like God, the ultimate giver. And then a second benefit is giving draws me closer to God. When you're generous with your time, your money, your energy, that's going to draw you closer to God. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Now let me give you a Bruce's paraphrase. Wherever you put your money, that's where your heart is. That's what it's saying. Now for some strange reason, for a number of years, I was teaching the exact opposite of what this verse said. I always thought this. Wherever you put your heart, that's where your money is going to be. That seems to make more sense to me. Like if you just get your heart on, on riding a bicycle. Yeah. Your heart's into bicycle riding. Well, then, you're going to spend some money to buy a decent bike. Wherever your money is, that's where, wherever your heart is, that's where your money is. But that's not what this passage says. The key point is this, wherever I put my money, that's where my heart is. Now, obviously, you have to put some of your money, perhaps even a majority of your money, into your house your cars, your business, clothes, entertainment. But the point is this. The money that you choose to put with the Lord will draw you closer to Him. So giving generosity draws me closer to God. And then a third benefit is giving is the antidote to materialism. Giving, being generous, is the antidote to materialism. We live in a very materialistic culture. And advertisers are not even subtle about it. They just come right out and tell us that we can buy happiness. Buy our product and you will be happy. Buy our car and everybody in the neighborhood will be envious of you. So is there an antidote? How can you live in a materialistic world and not become a materialistic girl as the entertainer, singer, Madonna used to call herself? Well, the answer is in First Timothy 6, 17 and 18. It says this, Command, that sounds like a command to me, what about to you? The Bible says command. Does that kind of sound like maybe that might be a command? (laughs) Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. That's the understatement the last year and a half or so, huh? But to put their hope in God. Watch this. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Isn't that a great sentence? Did you know that God wants you to enjoy things personally? The text says that He has richly provided you with things for your personal enjoyment. Command them to be generous and willing to share in this way they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And so he starts off by saying, command those who are rich. That is the majority of Americans. In fact, you can be among the poorest of Americans and still be richer than a lot of people in the world. Now Paul says it is okay for you to enjoy life. That he has richly provided us with everything for our enjoyment. But at the same time understand that the passage says that true living comes from being generous and willing to share. So here is the key point. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. And so as parents, we need to model a balance between giving and getting. If parents are always getting, then what are we teaching our children? Only to get. So giving is the only known antidote to materialism. And then another benefit, a fourth benefit, is that giving has the ability to strengthen my faith. Giving has the ability... To strengthen my faith. God uses your finances and your generosity in general to test your faith and strengthen it. Strengthen it. God says, do you really believe that I can take care of your sick needs? Now this is from the Old Testament, but I think it has some principles that apply to us. This is Malachi 3. It says, "Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this," says the Lord, "and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough—that uh, you will not have room enough for it." So God says, "I dare you to see what happens when you become a giving, generous person." Now, Jesus talked more about giving and generosity than heaven and hell combined. Why? Because giving is the essence of Christianity. For God so loved the world that He gave. Giving is the foundation on which Christianity is built. So the key point is this. Giving, being generous, Gives God the opportunity to work in your life. And when you see that work, it is going to strengthen and encourage your faith. So giving strengthens my faith. And then number five. Giving is an investment for eternity. Giving generosity. It's an investment For eternity. Now you have heard the cliche, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. How? How? The answer is by helping people to get to heaven. Now Jesus put it this way, store up treasure in heaven. That's kind of a strange statement isn't it store up. but what like what do you do like you box it up and take it down to the UPS store or, or send it parcel post or first class how do you send something to heaven how do you store something up in heaven well we're given instructions in 1 Timothy 6 the, the great thing is the lord never tells us to do something without giving us instructions on how to do it you know, lord bible says you no know, love your neighbor love your enemies but the Bible gives us some instructions on how to do that so here are the instructions it says give happily to those in need and always be ready to share whatever God has given you by doing this by doing what give happily always be ready to share you got what God has given you By doing this, you will be storing up treasure for yourselves in heaven. I like this next phrase. It's fitting for the economy. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And it has better rates too. When you give to help somebody and are ready to share, God gives you credit for that. Now, now, think about this. You know, you're, you're helping somebody or, or or you're giving. It's as if you are doing it for God and he's giving you credit for that. Okay. Now, some people, that's what's called storing up in heaven. Now, some people are going to get to heaven. And, you know, I guess Peter's supposed to meet us at the gate, right? And Peter's supposed to meet us at the gate. And I guess he'll be the guy who likes maybe gives the tour. I figure they have some of those electric golf carts because they're environmental friendly in heaven, you know. don't want to burn up any uh, gasoline or anything up there. And then, you know, you're driving the guy around and says, well, where's my mansion? Where's my mansion? Because, you know, he's read John 14 where Jesus says, I go to prepare a mansion for you in my father's house. And, and, and the guy driving him around says, well... This is your little log cabin over here. This was all of the building material that we could afford with what you sent us. Now I know what you're thinking. Any level of heaven will be good. Even if we're in the back alley of heaven, you know, probably is better than the top position in hell. Well, this was a bumper sticker. I did not actually see it, but you know, you, you read these things. It says, It says this, I've got it all, I charged it all. And I'm thinking, well, I think that pretty much summarizes the philosophy of the American consumer. And here's the key point. Invest for eternity. Don't just live for today. Now you have to live in today. We have to live in today. But we don't have to live just for today. So invest in eternity store up in heaven. And then number six is giving or generosity in general blesses me in return. When you're generous, you're going to be blessed in return. That's an Old Testament and New Testament principle. So in Proverbs eleven twenty five, 25, it says a generous man or woman, that's mankind, humankind, a generous man will prosper he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So here's the key point. Whatever you put out is what you are going to get in return. So if you put out criticism, you're going to get a lot of criticism back. If you put out gossip, then you're going to be gossip about. If you put out encouragement, then you're going to receive encouragement in return. It is what is referred to as the law of sowing and reaping. If you are generous with your your time, your money, your energy, you're going to be blessed back. The text says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now in the New Testament, it's put this way, In Acts 20, 35. You know, this is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul quoting Jesus where he says, the Lord said, you know what's interesting? This quote from Jesus is not recorded anywhere in the Gospel. It's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It was one of many, many things that Jesus said and did that were never recorded in the Gospel. But he said this, the Lord said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So, the implication of the passage is this. There are only two kinds of people in life, givers and takers. You are either generous with your time, your money, your energy, or you're a taker. The most generous people I know are the... Happiest people I know. The root word for miserable, you know, in English, miserable, the root word is miser. From miser, we get miserable. And so if I'm going to be stingy and miserly with what I have, then I'm going to be unhappy. People think the more I have, the more I will be happy, that my happiness will increase proportionately as my wealth increases. But that's not necessarily true. The truth is, the principle is, the more generous I am, the happier I'll be. There was a fellow by the name of Carl Menninger. And he lived from 1893 to 1990. And he is often referred to as the Dean of Modern Psychiatry. And he started the famous Menager Clinic in Topeka, Kansas. And he spent his entire life studying psychiatry and writing articles and books about the human mind and emotions and the way people think and behave. And this is a quote from him. Giving... Is a criterion of mental health. Generous people are rarely mentally ill. So giving can bless you in return. It can, it, generosity can bless you back. So how then do I get the most out of my giving? Remember this. God is more interested in my attitude than the amount. God is more interested in my attitude than the amount. And so the question becomes, what is the right attitude toward giving and generosity? I know we've discussed six benefits of being generous, but how should I approach giving? How can I get the most out of it? Number one is give willingly. Give willingly this is second corinthians 8:12 it says for if the willing willingness is there the gift is acceptable according to what one has not according to what he does not have so the key point is this god's reward for giving is based on my willingness not my wealth because a lot of times people say well, I must have really impressed God last week because I gave Him a great tip. Well, God doesn't evaluate your generosity just on the amount that you give. He bases it on the amount that you give based on what He has given you. That is the standard of comparison. And the principle of the passage is give willingly. Now, here's another one, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Notice that. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. If you ever feel pressured to give, then don't give because you're not going to get credit for it. Listen, we are not interested in pressure. And that's why we said last week, we don't do fundraising sermons. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't like to do it. Lock the doors right now. Get the deacons out here. Lock these doors right down. All of you are bad, bad Americans. You have too much as Americans. Get the plates ready. You have too much as Americans. You are rich and you have too much and you've grown fat on your richness, richness, and there's people over here, and we put up some pictures, starving. And well, we may do that towards the end of December. We'll have to see how the budget goes. But that's it that could, could happen. See, that's not going to work. We believe that if you willingly give from the heart, that the money is going to be there. And in the six years that we've been together as a church, we haven't had money just to go around and you know hand out on Hillcrest to passing cars. But the Lord has provided for our basic needs. And so the Lord wants you to decide, and He doesn't want it reluctantly. He doesn't want it impulsively, or, or He doesn't want you to feel like compulsion. He wants it to be from the heart. So give willingness. And if you don't give willingly, then we have other means of getting it out of you. We can make it easier. Or we can make it tough. It's up to each one of you. And we have ways, don't we, Will? Yeah, we got ways. All right, two. You have to you have to have a little bit of humor when you're talking about giving. You know, I appreciate what Bill Cooper had to say. So I want to thank Bruce for those lessons on giving. And as a And yeah, uh, you know, somebody gets up two weeks ago. I want to thank them on that lesson on, uh, on, uh, you know, how to have a good marriage. Oh, yeah, yeah, woo, woo marriage. Yeah, giving. Oh, okay, that's good. That's alright, you know, you know. And so there was this guy and he was, he was driving his brand new BMW. Top of the line BMW. I don't know how much that could be. Fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars 70,000. And so, you know, he decides to take it out on this mountain road. And he's, he's coming down the road and there's this curve up ahead and he's going a little bit too fast in his new BMW and the tire hits some hits some gravel and he loses control of the car and it breaks through the guardrail and right before it goes over the cliff, the guy manages to unbuckle his seatbelt and dive out of the side window and he hits the side of the cliff and he's hanging on and, it, and he sees his, his car crashing down at the bottom and burning. And so he crawls up the side of the cliff to the main road. Well, there's this, this truck driver and, and he's, he's coming around the corner and, and he, and he slows down to help this guy. And he gets out of the truck and there's this guy going, on, Oh, my BMW. No, oh, I lost my BMW. Oh, my BMW. And the guy takes him and, and he's trying to calm this guy down and he notices that his left arm is missing and he says to the guy man he says you you should be so thankful that you are alive and that the only thing that you've lost is your left arm and he looks down and he says oh not my rolex too not my rolex too so they kind of he was a little bit wrapped up in material things And so, give willingly. And then two is give thankfully. Give thankfully. This is Psalm 116.12. It says, How can I repay the Lord for all of His goodness to me? If God never does one more thing for me, He has done enough that I ought to be willing to give out of just gratitude for the past. Did you choose to be born in America? Of course, that's a rhetorical question. We all know the answer is no. Nobody chooses where they're going to be born. Have you ever thought about the fact that you could have just as easily been born in the middle of Ethiopia during a famine? That you could have been born in Bosnia during the ethnic cleansing of the early 1990's. And so, with privilege comes responsibility. So every time you give, every time you're generous, you're saying to God, even if you never do one single thing for me in the future, I am giving this to you. I am being generous because I realize that you, the Lord, have helped me to earn it. Someone says, yeah, but I built my business using my own intellect, my own, my own smarts. But who gave you your intellect? Who gave you your smarts? Yeah, but I did it with my own hands. Yeah. But who gave you your hands? The key point is this. God wants us to see every good thing as a gift from Him. So in James 1-5 it says, God gives generously to all without finding fault. So give thankfully. And then three is give joyfully. Joyfully. In fact, uh, Bill had a screen up here when he was saying the comments during the giving. It said the, uh, the joy of giving or the joy in giving. This is Second Corinthians 9, 7. <clears throat> God loves a cheerful giver. Now I saw this on a church sign. God loveth a cheerful giver, but he also receiveth from a grouch. Well, I'm not exactly sure about the Lord. I do know we will take your check at Port City, even if you're a little bit grouchy. I mean, that's not going to be a problem from our end. The word cheerful in the the original language, it is the word from which we get hilarious in the English. Hilarious. And in New Testament times, they had a very upbeat attitude about giving and the offering. In today's society, it's often the low point of the service. Now when you don't feel cheerful about giving, remind yourself of these six benefits that we have talked about. So, give willingly, give joyfully, give thankfully. Number four is give weekly. And that's that's not spelled W-E-A-K-L-Y. That's W-E-E-K-L-Y. It says this. On every Lord's Day, this is, I like the Living Bible. That's why I chose the Living Paraphrase on this. On every Lord's Day, that's Sunday, the day the Lord rose from the dead. On every Lord's Day, each of you should put aside something from what you have, have earned during the week and use it for this offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. So why give weekly? Because it is a weekly reminder of how much the Lord loves us and the need that we have to put Him first place in our lives. Now notice the phrase. It says, put aside. That involves planning. It is not something that is impulsive. How much should you give? It says, it depends. I like this. This is the New Testament principle. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. So you should give based on what you make. If you don't believe the Lord helped you earn earn anything last week, then don't give anything this week. So it is a reminder. And then six, five, how about five? Give expectantly. That is, give with expecting something back. Give expectantly. Now, here's the principle in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That is the law that every farmer lives by. It is a biological, agricultural law. A farmer doesn't go out and sow one acre and then anticipate harvesting five acres in the fall, whatever is sown is going to be reaped. So here is the key point. Here's the application. Plant the seed, and God will provide for your need. Now people say, as soon as God gives me some money, then I'll start giving. God says that doesn't require any faith. You give first. You prime the pump. The passage in Luke 6.38 that we started off with says, Give and it will be given to you. It does not say, the Lord doesn't say, I will give to you, then you give to me. It says, you take the initiative, you give first, and then I will give back to you. Now, another law of farming is, You always reap more than what you sow. A farmer plants thousands of kernels of corn, and each kernel becomes an ear of corn with hundreds of kernels on it. That is the law of harvest. And it is a principle that also works spiritually. God will give you blessings more than what you have planted. But as we have seen, there are many ways other than money that the Lord has the ability to bless us with. So as we come to the close, I would like just to share some questions with you. And you can be thinking about these on a personal basis. And they're also on the life group outline for this afternoon. Am I willing to trust God in the matter of giving? Am I willing to put my money where my mouth is? Does my giving show how thankful I am to the Lord? Do I give thinking about how much God has blessed me? Do I have a systematic plan for giving or just when I remember it? Do I expect God to multiply the seed that I sow? So some of you need to have a family conference and just say, you know, we need to get serious about what we're going to do. We want to put the Lord first in every aspect of our lives. We want to trust Him. We want Him to be number one. And so here is the decision that we are going to make based on our prayerful communication with the Lord. Will is going to come up and he's going to lead us in an invitation hymn. If you are here and you have a particular need, if you would like for us to intercede on your behalf, pray on your behalf, we will be glad to do that. If you need to be baptized into Jesus Christ, we can assist you in helping you you reach that goal. Don't leave here with doubts about your relationship to the Lord. If you have a need, Please let us know what it is while we stand and sing.